Good evening, everyone, and I hope my fellow Americans had a good Thanksgiving, too. We are back, and as promised, I bring an episode about the drug diacetylmorphine, more commonly known as heroin, and we continue our story about opioid drugs and treating pain. Now, I mentioned last episode that the Bayer scientist Felix Hoffman would discover diacetylmorphine within days of his discovery of aspirin. But I really should have said that Hoffman rediscovered diacetylmorphine because it was actually first synthesized in 1874, some 23 years earlier. In 1874, at St. Mary's Hospital in London, England, a researcher named Charles Romley Alder Wright was hard at work in his lab. If you'll recall, by this time period, it was pretty well known that morphine, while useful for treating pain, could also be dangerously addictive. Many researchers, Wright included, began searching for a drug that could keep the useful properties of morphine without this risk of addiction, which would make treating even severe pain much safer and easier. Wright's specific approach was to combine morphine with an acid, creating diacetylmorphine for the first time. Seeking to figure out what it did, he sent it along to one F.M. Pierce, whose first and middle name I cannot for the life of me find. But he did work at Owens College. Pierce then dosed dogs and rabbits with this new drug to see its effects, and noted that right after injection, the animals would usually lie down, grow fearful, or become sleepy. Their muscles became less coordinated and weak, and their rectal temperature decreased. Despite searching for a non-addictive painkiller, it doesn't seem like any specific testing on that front was done. And although I don't understand why, as far as I can tell, this research ultimately went nowhere. Which, as we'll see, is probably what should have happened. But instead, over two decades later, Felix Hoffman would rediscover diacetylmorphine in the laboratories of Bayer. While initially this generated little interest, because its earlier discovery by Wright meant that the drug could not be patented, further research showed that this new drug was about two times more potent than morphine, and on top of that, Bayer had still discovered a way to mass-produce this product. All this means that diacetylmorphine was cheap, easy to make, fast, and only required small doses, making it a very ideal drug product, even without a patent. The drug was ultimately named heroin, based supposedly on the German word for heroic or strong because of its effects on its users. Reportedly, soldiers under heroin's influence became much more courageous, although I have little empirical evidence about such uses. Certainly, the new name sounds nice, and it has clearly stuck, considering we still call the drug by that name today, over a century later. Hoffman's boss, Drazer, also thought that the differences between heroin and morphine meant that this new drug would be less addictive. But as far as I can tell, he didn't bother to test this out. There could potentially have been more maliciousness or neglect behind this, but I'm willing to give Drazer the benefit of the doubt. And certainly he was not the only person to blame. Many scientists and doctors bought this idea and helped to propagate the drug as well. And as we will learn later in this season, we as a species will continue to make similar mistakes when judging how addictive a drug can be. Regardless of what was going on in Drazer's head, heroin went on the markets in 1898, sold as a cough suppressant and a supposedly non-addictive alternative to morphine. Morphine addiction was a well-known issue by then, and the product caught on quickly. Coughs are also, of course, very common, which meant that the drugs could be administered to vast numbers of patients, despite the risk of addiction. 
With the spread of heroin came heroin addiction, quickly revealing that its non-addictive qualities were nothing but marketing. It is hard to tell how many patients became addicts due to certain drugs, but addiction to opioid drugs affected millions of patients globally, between morphine and now heroin. At one point in 1924, it was documented that 98% of New York drug addicts were suffering from heroin addiction. Doctors and health advocates rallied against the drug, which led to international restrictions on production. The United States started restricting distribution in 1914, and by 1924, heroin was completely illegal. Many other countries did the same around this time period, but unfortunately a lot of damage had already been done, and would continue to be done. Although heroin was gone from pharmacies, it was still being manufactured and sold illegally, often by criminal syndicates who saw the potential to make a lot of money where Bayer had once done so. Globally, doctors came to see opioids as dangerous drugs that should be reserved only for dying patients if used at all. And for decades, opioids became much rarer in medical practice, which likely spared many people from addiction, but also left a lot of severe pain untreated. And unfortunately, while some alternatives, such as aspirin, were popping up around this time, our scientific understanding of pain was quite bad, and treatments for severe pain besides opioid drugs were seriously lacking. However, that's not for lack of trying, and so next week we'll talk about some of the research taking place in the late 1800s regarding pain. As always, thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, please tell a friend about us, or leave us a rating or review. Thanks also to Jojo Tang for editing, Angie Lee for our cover art, and Muse Open for this music.